Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. My name is Bryson Carver, as always. Oh, I got a lot to say about last night. And not just in the NBA, by the way. The NFL schedule has been released. All 272 regular season games have been released uh, by the National Football League last night. I'm going to predict two team schedules. The Dallas Cowboys, of course, I I can't I can't go without satisfying the, the Cowboy fans, uh, as as well as the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I said about a month ago, people were were, were all over me for it uh, for saying that the Green Bay Packers would not uh, make the playoffs this season. I'm going to back that up by predicting their schedule this season. I'm going to stand by what I said a month ago, as well as I called out Luka Doncic last night before their game six against the Phoenix Suns. I said, I don't know if they're going to win this series. Talking about the Dallas Mavericks. They have to win game six. If you are a superstar, you got to get this thing to a game seven. If you got a home game six, Luka Doncic showed up last night. There will be a game seven. And I will discuss that uh, later in the show as well. Um, also my golden state warriors are playing a huge game six tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies with an opportunity to close them out and advance to the Western conference finals. I'll discuss that later in the show. Again, today's show is not live. As I said, at the end of yesterday's show, I have some, uh, some, some things to attend to, uh, this evening, uh, as you are watching this. And so if, if there's any news that is broken <laughs> around the six Eastern three Pacific time hour, I, at the time of this recording, am not aware of it. Okay, because it's funny. The last time I did this on a Friday, the Deshaun Watson to the Browns news broke. So that's why I didn't talk about it on that Friday because I'd already recorded the show. Uh, so if anything happened, I know about it now at the time you're watching this, just not the time that I'm speaking right now. We got to start with last night, though. The Miami Heat played the Philadelphia 76ers in game six of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Heat led three games to two, opportunity to clinch an Eastern Conference Finals berth for the second time in the last three seasons. And of course, they got it done by a final score of 99-90 to in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. I will discuss Miami later because I want to give them their due share because that's a great basketball team. There's a reason they were the number one seed in the tougher, as I said all season long, the tougher Eastern Conference. I will give Miami their flowers. But not before I get to James Harden. <sighs> this isn't even a session, however long it may last, of me gloating about James Harden not just not showing up, but disappearing. A word that I try to avoid, choking in the playoffs. Because what I always believe choking has been, I think it's an overused word uh, in the world of sports. Choking, I've always defined it as you are supposed to do something. You are supposed to play this well or win this game. And not only did you not, but you failed in epic fashion in doing so. For example, years ago, the New England Patriots were big favorites in the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles. As we all know, they lost that game to St. Nick Foles. But Tom Brady didn't choke. Threw for over 500 yards, three touchdowns. It's one of the greatest games Tom Brady's ever played. 
So it's not just losing as the favorite or losing a game that you are supposed to win. In this game, Philadelphia was the favorite in game six. How do you lose if you do lose? James Harden has made a career out of this in the playoffs. And I tried to warn you, Philadelphia, when y'all were getting all excited, oh, we finally got rid of Ben Simmons. Listen, that in itself is a cause for celebration, getting rid of Ben Simmons. We get that. Nobody's been more vocal about that than me. And I said, yes, you guys won the trade simply because you got rid of Ben Simmons and got a better player in James Harden. But this is who he is in the postseason. Last night, in a do-or-die basketball game, you win, you go to Game 7, you lose, you come up short of a title for James Harden for his 13th NBA season at age 32, and he is not getting any younger. Four for nine from the field. Two shot attempts in the entire second half. He played 22 of the 24 minutes in the second half. He attempted two shots. And if you watched that game last night, which many of you did, I certainly did. You see James Harden's body language? Did you see how he was playing the game? He quit. And quit is an, it's like choke. Quit is another word that I try to stay away from, especially in the realm of sports. Because when you say that somebody quit, you are questioning not only their abilities, you are questioning their competitive character. You are questioning how bad somebody wants something. I question how much James Harden wants a championship. 1,000%. Why is that? Have we ever known James Harden to take care of his body in the offseason? No. No, he's shutting down nightclubs with Lil Baby, going to fashion shows instead of being in the gym and not really working on his game and certainly not working on his body. We saw that definitely last season when he started the season his last year with the Houston Rockets. So we know that. We know that in these do-or-die games, remember game six, 2017, the exact same situation he was in last night. Game six, at home, down 3-2. In that game, at least Miami was healthy last night. In that game, the Spurs were without Tony Parker and Kawhi Leonard, two of their four best starters. James Harden went two for 11 from the field and scored 10 points. And the, and the Rockets lost by 39. In 2018, game seven, Harden won the MVP that year. LeBron should have. Let's be real. LeBron should have because he got a bad Cleveland team all the way to the freaking finals. Harden had an excellent Rockets team with Chris Paul. But Chris Paul goes down. But the NBA media told me James Harden was the MVP that season. Home game seven. As a matter of fact, you had a 15-point cushion at one point. You had a double-digit lead at halftime. And in the second half, Harden led the Rockets to miss 27 consecutive three-point shots. They go from up 15 to losing by nine. Harden, of course, disappeared. Scored over 30, took him 30 shots to get there. 
A year later, the injury gods give James Harden the blessing, if you will. The injury gods, quote-unquote, took KD out the series for the Warriors. Once again, game six, down 3-2, you're favored to win. Steph Curry does not score in the first half. And you still lose. On your home floor, you can't even get it back to a game seven with the healthier roster. On your home court. And last year, game seven against the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, he was hurt. What are you talking about? He did this when he was healthy. So no, you don't get the injury excuse. James Hard scored 22 points. It was an inefficient 22. Kevin Durant dropped 48 points for the Brooklyn Nets. And James Harden gave you absolutely nothing. At home again. This is what happened last night. This is who James Harden is. So now, possibly, he could be a free agent. He has an opt-in deal. I believe he'd make about $47 million. If I were James Harden's agent, I would say you'd be a fool not to take this $47 million. Because any team on the market willing to give James Harden the max contract, which I believe is about $250 million long term, who on earth would give him that? We think Westbrook's contract is bad, and it is bad. The one bright side of it is, well, you only got one year left. If the Lakers do end up keeping Westbrook, which increasingly that's looking more likely, okay, one more year, you're vastly overpaying Westbrook, and then he's a free agent. Then you're done. You don't have to pay him anymore. James Harden could be making Westbrook money, actually exceeding Westbrook money, when he's 36, 37 years old. And we see how much he's aged at age 32. Didn't take care of his body. And flat out does not have the desire. I'm sorry, he doesn't. I don't ever, I, I don't, I'm telling you, because I have so much respect for what athletes put into this game. Whether it's basketball, football, any sport. Any sport. That's why I will, that's why I always defend athletes anytime, you know, you had, uh, you know, Andrew Luck has done it, Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles has done it, Kevin Love has done it, taking time away to take care of their mental health and people talk about, oh, they don't care. This is why I've always defended them. Because I said, this isn't a matter of about caring or not caring. It's about you have to attend to an issue that is plaguing your game, plaguing your, your best ability. James Harden, whole different story. You see that guy's body language. The guy does not care about winning. Cares about stats, cares about awards, cares about MVPs. That's it. So I don't want to ever hear again about how he's one of the five greatest shooting guards of all time. That is blasphemy. The top four spots are dead set. Jordan, Kobe, Jerry West, Dwayne Wade. You're telling me James Harden belongs in that group. 
Because those four have championships and those four impacted winning in a way that James Harden never has in his career. In OKC, in Houston, in Brooklyn, in Philadelphia. When are the Harden defenders going to come to this fruition? He ain't that dude in the postseason because flat out does he flat out does not care. He doesn't. You've heard me criticize the NBA media for voting Jokic MVP. I have never questioned Nikola Jokic's effort. I've never questioned about whether Nikola Jokic cares about the game or not. James Harden don't care about the game. And he's talk, he's out here talking after the game about, well, the only reason I didn't take two shots is because you know, they they didn't, I didn't get the ball much. It's because he didn't want the ball much. If you did, you would demand it because you are James Harden. And you say to Doc Rivers, give me the ball. Let me go to work. You did it in game four. What was the issue in game four? And I'm here to always not 100% healthy. <laughs> healthy enough to th drop 31 in game four. But when he scores only 14 in game five, well, he's the hamstring's still bothering him, which how the hamstring is still bothering him from a year ago, further evidences that Harden does not care about his body because he didn't put the time that he needed to put into rehab. Two shots in the second half. And I feel like two shots in the second half doesn't emphasize it enough, so I'll put it this way. Two shots in 22 minutes of basketball. Four for nine from the field in a do-or-die basketball game when your best player, Joel Embiid, is playing with a torn-up wrist and a broken face. And I believe he had a back issue as well. I mean, Bede is falling apart and is still going out there. Now, B did not play well. I believe he went seven for, what's yeah, seven for 24 from the field. And B didn't play well. He deserves some blame, absolutely. But the guy is giving you everything he has. This is why I, did, I had a big problem when, and ironically, yesterday was the three-year anniversary of the event I'm about to mention. When the Sixers lost to the Raptors on the Kawhi buzzer beater, and you, everybody's seen the meme of Joel and B walking to the locker room bawling his eyes out. And everybody's like, oh, he's, he's crying after they lost. And I've always defended athletes anytime they leave the court or leave the field in tears if they lost. Because me as a fan, if I'm a Sixers fan, I'm like, that dude left everything he had out on the floor. That dude left every, every drop of sweat he had out in that basketball court and came up short. And that's why it broke his heart. Have we ever seen James Harden forget tears even show some sort of, I don't know, disappointment? Did you watch that press conference to tell me James Harden was or wasn't disappointed? And get back to me. This is who he is. This is who he's always been in the postseason. And the Philadelphia 76ers, I'll transition now to the Miami Heat. Everybody's talking about, well, you know, Philadelphia, what's their options? You know, you can't get rid of James Harden. Who's the options? I'll tell you where they made the, where exactly they made their mistake. Jimmy Butler told you where they made their mistake. That's where they made their mistake. They paid Ben Simmons too much money, and they chose. And I like Tobias Harris. It's a Tennessee guy. You know, I love my Tennessee guys. Good player. But they chose Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. 
Jimmy Butler has left the 76ers. By the way, we know he wanted to, he wanted to stay in Philly. Why? Look what he said post game. He said to ESPN after the game, he was talking about how much he loves Joel Embiid and he's he just he loves Embiid and he 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 wishes he was still in Philadelphia. He literally said, "I wish I was still in Philadelphia, but I love it here in Miami." And I believe he does love Miami. Great city, great culture. You win a lot. What's not to love? He wanted to stay in Philly. They chose to buy his hair over Jimmy Butler because he was difficult, right? He rubbed people the wrong way. He rubbed people the wrong way in Chicago and Minnesota. Carl Anthony Towns and, and Andrew Wiggins. My guy, Andrew Wiggins. But those two were said he was too hard on them in practice. And in Philadelphia, he rubbed some of the guys in that organization, particularly Ben Simmons, the wrong way because he yelled and maybe said a few bad words at practice. Yeah. Well, he's in Miami now, and he's in the Eastern Conference Finals for the second time in three years. Because those young guys, Tyler Hero, Bama DeBio, Max Struess, Victor Oladipo. Well, Oladipo's not that young, but decently young player. They actually want to win. And if, if it means Jimmy Butler cursing you out at practice, pushing you at practice in the weight room, in the film study, so be it. That's why the Heat are where they're at today. That's why the Sixers are where they're at today. This is why they have not made a conference final since Allen Iverson was there. So for the Miami Heat, big hats off. Because this is a team that's dealt with injuries upon injuries. This is why I don't want to hear a dang excuse about the Lakers or the Nets or anybody who dealt with injuries and didn't have a great season. Warriors had all kinds of injuries. They won 53 games. The Heat had all kinds of injuries to Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler and, and Victor Oladipo. They also won 53 games and had the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and they are now four wins away from the NBA Finals, which would be their second appearance in three years. So you tell me that culture doesn't matter in sports. I know it's, it's sort of a thing people roll their eyes at. It's just get the best players. And Look, you need superstars. And Jimmy Butler, folks, has proven he's a he's a, well, he's not pretty good. He's a very good player in the regular season. This dude takes it to a different level in the postseason. I've always said in this show, stars, even superstars, have three levels in the playoffs. They either stay consistent, they play exact same way they do in the regular season. They, you know, they pull a James Harden and they and they and, you know downgrade, or they elevate their game. A lot of guys have done that. Even guys who we don't look at as stars, Andre Guadalla, Monte Ginobili, Big Shot Bob, Robert Ory. You know, this is this is what they do. And this is what Jimmy Butler's done. Yes, you need at least one superstar. What's the culture like? Do you have a winning culture? Is it about winning? Or is it about likes on Instagram and Twitter? Is it about highlights? Or is it about W's? Is it about social media wins or series wins? That's the difference in the cultures of the Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers. That, that's it right there. Not to say social media is, is irrelevant and you should just, just shouldn't be on it. No. But when you let it control the narrative of who you are and what you want to be, that's where it becomes a problem. And Jimmy Butler don't give a you-know-what about nothing. 
that you have to say, that I have to say, that nobody has to say. I'd say even in the in the Heat organization has to say. Maybe Pat Riley, but that's about it. So again, shout shout out. I know a few Miami Heat fans. They're excited today. They should be. Uh, shout out to the Miami Heat. Big time series win. Um, listen, whether it's Boston they play, whether it's Milwaukee they play, that team's going to be a handful in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're going to have home court advantage. Miami, I, I do have one thing to say, though, because I, I get it. There's a lot of things to do in the city, and that arena is like probably at, at 50% capacity every game at tip-off, even in the playoffs. Miami, like, do the city a favor and show up. Like, act like this is like the Heatles days with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. Like, at least have like 85% capacity by tip-off. They show up and show out, you know, third quarter, fourth quarter, but like, Man, show show up a tip off, man. I, I get there's a lot of stuff to do in Miami, but you got a you got a dang good basketball team playing right now, so take advantage of it. But Miami is going to be a problem in the Eastern Conference Finals. There's no question about it. And if they get to the finals, won't be shocked in the slightest. Man, so Miami becomes the first team thus far to advance the conference finals. Uh, my Golden State Warriors could. Uh, well, they won't join Miami. They won't. They wouldn't play Miami. They would play their Dallas or Phoenix. Um, that you know, they got an opportunity to do that tonight against the Grizzlies. I'll discuss that later. But let me discuss the other game six, the, the following game six between the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix in a similar position to Miami on the road, up three games to two. Unlike Miami, they could not get it done. But again, like I said on yesterday's show, and I tweeted this on yesterday's show. I called out Luka Doncic. I said, okay, this is a guy who is, <laughs> excuse me, immensely talented. I said, coming into the playoffs, and I, I said, folks, my list is going to change after the playoffs because you validate your legacy, your standing by what you do in April, May, and especially in June. And I said, Luka Doncic was just outside my top five at number six. He's a gifted player is phenomenal. You look at his, his postseason numbers, they're comp they're comparable to that of Michael Jordan. Okay, so he's he shows up. But I said this is a game that if you are a superstar, you got to win. You have to win this game. I would I'm not going to criticize the Mavericks if they don't win this series because I believe Phoenix is a better team. But I said, Luca, game six, the same thing as James Harden. I said to a lesser degree, but similar circumstances. Game six at home, three down three two, you got to win this one. You won games three and four at home decisively. Didn't play particularly well in either of them, though. You had guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, guys like Kleba, Jalen Brunson, who had some just nasty moves last night. Guys like uh, Bertans, who's a great three-point shooter, who stepped up in games three and four. And so my takeaway was, They'll do that again at home because, as we all as we all know, the others, as Shaq calls them, the role players, they play better at home. So you're, you're going to get the help that you need, and Phoenix's role players aren't going to be as good, which obviously they were not last night. I'm not sure if anybody for Phoenix played well, but that's beside the point. But Luka had to show up, and Luka showed up. Dropped 33, 11, and, and 9. You know, one, I believe one assist shy... Uh, of a triple-double. Was it one assist? I'm sorry, two assists shy of a triple-double. He's 33-11-8. My bad. And so, what 
we're going to see now in Game 7. And, man, I'm, I'm so excited. It's, it, it, it's been a long time since we had a Game 7. It's, as, as I texted a buddy of mine uh, last night, it's the first Game 7 that we've seen since Milwaukee and Brooklyn back in the second round last year. And obviously, KD hit the shot that we thought that won the series. His toe was on the line, and the Bucks won the series. And, you know, those Jokers went on to win the championship, right? First Game 7 since then. And I think the disadvantage that the Suns have, yes, they're at home, yes, they are dominant at home, save for one game against the Pelicans in the first round. But what you never want, and we know this about Game 7s, anything can happen. 48 minutes, winner advances. And the Suns have the better team. As much as I like Jason Kidd, and boy, has Jason Kidd proved me wrong this season. I've said that on numerous occasions on this show. Shout out to Jason Kidd. He's done a heck of a job in Dallas. But I think Monty Williams is a better coach. One coach of the year this year. You're at home. Better roster. Better coach. Fans are on your side. But Dallas has the best player in the series. You know I love Chris Paul. And I think Devin Booker is outstanding. I said Devin Booker. I would put Devin Booker over Nikola Jokic in my MVP voting. He had a great season. And he just gets better and better. But this is a guy who scored 70 in a game once. He's a great player. Dallas has the best player in the series. And so what you don't want is a situation where you get to the fourth quarter and you're up four, five. Because if you're in striking distance, you're in trouble. You are in some big trouble. And by the way, if you look at Luka Doncic's numbers uh, in win-or-go-home games for the Dallas Mavericks, they are staggering. Like, seriously. His the, So, the three games to this point that Luka has played in which his team faced elimination. Okay, his, the Mavericks record is only one and two. But in 2020, game six against the Clippers, do-or-die game had to win. They came up short, but Luka dropped 38, nine, and nine. A year later, game seven against those same Clippers. Of course, we all know they lost. One because of Luka, though. 46 points, 7 rebounds, 14 assists. Put the team on his back. Gave him a chance, but Kawhi and Paul George took over late. And then this year, elimination game, winner go home. 33 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. This is what we expect the superstars to do. And credit to Luka Doncic, he's shown up in these games. And last night, not only did he show up, but he led the Mavericks to a to a blowout win. This is why I had this series going seven games. You got the better team, but then the other team has the best player in the series. And the coaches, well, again, like I said, I have Monty Williams over Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd can coach. And Jason Kidd, where I've always said he deserves the most credit for the job he's done, is for getting these guys to buy into the defensive end of the floor. Because Dallas was always known for, they get buckets, but man, they can't stop anybody. Can't stop a nosebleed. That's not been the case this season. They've been a top five team in the league defensively. In the playoffs, you know, I mean, last night against, uh, you know, a great Phoenix Suns team only gave up 86 points. I mean, the, the intensity on the defensive end of the floor fueled their offense. Because once, in Dallas is a good transition team. Once you get, you know, grab the defensive rebound, get out and transition, you know, you got the advantage. Especially with the home crowd on your side. Give you, you know, we all know basketball gives you a little bit extra mojo. So, credits to the Dallas Mavericks. I still have the Suns winning the series. I had it going seven. I'm going to pick the Suns to win in seven, just like I said beforehand. Um, but I'll tell you this. 
you know I love Chris Paul, and you know I've I've constantly defended him in the playoffs. Everybody talks about, you know, oh, he doesn't show up in the playoffs, and save for one year in 2015, that's just not true. In closeout games, Chris Paul, his, his, his last few closeout games, he's been great. Look at last year against Denver, last year especially against the Clippers, this year against the Pelicans where he, you know, didn't miss a shot, 14 for 14. He gonna need to play that way in game seven. Book's going to show up. Book has been great at home. I think I believe he gave you 31 in game five. And that mid-range man was working. Chris Paul, I don't know what's going what's gone on, has been terrible the last three games. I don't know if some of it maybe is, is the after effects of what happened to his family in game four. I don't know what it is. But since that man turned 37 years of age, I, I, I don't know where Chris Paul went. I, I don't know where he, where, where, he, where he went. He's went MIA. He's got to show up in game seven. Because this, I've heard a lot of media outlets say, well, this is his last chance to win a championship. I don't believe that. I, I don't. But it's probably his best chance. You're telling me your team won 64 games? Home court advantage throughout the playoffs? Had the best record in the NBA by eight games? Because the, the, the Suns won 64 games. Second place was the Grizzlies at 56. You won eight more games in second place? You're in the weaker conference, the West? And you don't get out of the second round? He, he They got to win this game. They have to. How last season ended? Having a 2-0 lead and losing the series? This year, 2-0 lead? The difference is, unlike last year, at least you're at home in this do-or-die game. Last year, they were in Milwaukee. They're at home this time against Dallas. I'm taking the Suns. Wouldn't bet a penny on it, by the way. Would not bet a penny. As it stands right now, Vegas really likes Phoenix. They get, they like a minus six. Um, so, you know, very comfortable home favorites. But I'm telling you, if it's, you know, to go off of what Vegas is saying, if it's a six-point game or less, even like a seven-point game, Going into the fourth quarter and Dallas is within striking distance. I just told you Luca's numbers in these games. Look out. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Dallas wins this game. Luca's in my top five easily. Excuse me, without a doubt. I mean, this, this is this is big time by the Dallas Mavericks. Um, but man, we we've got we've got at least one game seven. We could have two, uh, the Bucks and the Celtics tip off uh, in about an hour, which is going to be a fun one. Uh, I've got Boston winning tonight, I think, because of the fact that it is a do-or-die situation. They did just win in Milwaukee in Game 4. I, you know, I said going into Game 5, road team wins out. Well, Milwaukee's, you know, they, they got, they've got me one-third of the way there for that prediction. I think Boston, when you consider their defense, when you look at how well they've executed in the fourth quarter for most of these games, not including Game 5, obviously, but Jason Tatum has been a great, in my opinion, underrated fourth quarter performer in these playoffs. Jalen Brown as well. We know they're not afraid of playing on the road. This is a fearless Celtics team led by a fearless coach and Ime Udoka, who I gave majority of the blame for for that game five loss. I think he'll bounce back with his adjustments because, look, Budenholzer outcoached Ime Udoka in game five. Ironically, with his adjustments, because Budenholzer is not known for that. But in game six, I'm going to give the edge to Boston in this department. Um, 
I think Giannis does what Giannis has been doing. I think he balls out. He probably gives you 35 to 40 points. I'm going to say 15 rebounds. And the role players do play better, obviously, in Milwaukee. Um, but do they get the touches that they got in the fourth quarter game five? Possibly. But I, I've, I've got Boston winning tonight. Uh, Boston, do they have the odds? Let's see. Yeah. I'm sorry, Milwaukee. Milwaukee is a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home. So definitely, I mean, just an ever-so-slightly, uh, you know, a favorite are the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, but it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting game tonight. I think it's going to be close down the wire, but I think the Celtics will close it out the, the way they could not do in Game 5, and we are going to see two Game 7s on Sunday. That should be very, very fun. Um, and, and again, I'll talk about my Warriors later on in the show. But uh, the NFL schedule came out for 2022. The week one schedule broke during the show yesterday. I read that off to you guys. The one that stood out to me the most. Yes, the Bills-Rams opening night game. I mean, come on. Phenomenal opening night. Could very well could be the Super Bowl. Very well could be the two teams we see in Super Bowl 57. Absolutely. In, in, in Glendale, Arizona. Um, but the one that stood out to me the most was, because he's one of my favorite players in the world, was Russell Wilson's return to Seattle right off the bat in week one. They're wasting no time. You know, it, it's not like with, with Tom Brady where they waited at least till week four for his return to New England. No. Right off the bat, Monday Night Football, whole country's going to be watching, and it's going to be fun. Um, and Denver is a team that, given their schedule, given the, obviously, astronomical upgrade at quarterback given the fact that the last two Super Bowl champions featured a quarterback in his first year with the team and Russell's on the level of Stafford and Brady I'm kind of favoring Denver to win the division not saying Kansas City's not gonna make the playoffs folks they they're gonna get there Kansas City's gonna be there absolutely they're absolutely a contender still even with the loss of Tyree Kill but I'm telling you this Denver team's special but there's two teams Everybody's been talking about this this offseason, which is normally the case. The Dallas Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers, who happen to square off in Week 10, which will be America's Game of the Week on Fox on November the 13th at Lambeau Field. Can't wait for that one. Um, but I'm going to break the two teams' schedules. I'm going to start. I'm going to finish the show with Green Bay. So I'll, I'll save that for the end of the show. I'm going to start with the Dallas Cowboys. So as we do, as I make my predictions weekly in it is my favorite segment of carving it up is doing NFL weekly predictions, the upset of the week. And if I were a betting man, I may add another segment. I, I just, I, you know, I may add another segment to, to my NFL predictions, but stay tuned for that. But let's get our normal background music going uh, for my predictions for the Dallas Cowboys 2022 schedule. Bring it up right now. Here you go. Here's the schedule. So they got, uh, well, there, there you see right now, sorry for the, the stream, uh, I'm sorry for the podcast audience, I'll read it off for you. You got home against Tampa in week one, home against the Bengals week two, then you got at the Giants on Monday Night Football, back home to play the Washington Commanders, two straight road games against the Rams and Eagles, two straight home games against the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears before they go into their week nine bye, and then back-to-back -back road games at Green Bay, at Minnesota. And then you got three straight home games against the Giants, Colts, and Texans. And then you got at Jacksonville, home against Philly on Christmas Eve. And then a Thursday nighter at the Tennessee Titans. And then you finish off in Washington against the Commanders. Um, so I'm going to go and just, I'm not going to waste any time. 
I'm going to put up my predictions uh, for the schedule. There you go. So, uh, you know, for the, for the podcast audience, I'll read it off for you. I believe they're going to start 0-1 for the third consecutive year because they are playing the GOAT himself, Mr. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr., as one well-known commentator dubs him. The new member of uh, the Fox Sports team, my man Brady, got paid, man. And he's still getting paid by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not that much money, though. But, he, but Tom's going to come into Dallas he has never lost to the Dallas Cowboys. I have no reason to believe that that trend will not continue. Dallas will start 0-1, but they will bounce back with a home win, a close win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I'm not overly high on Cincinnati this season for the simple fact that Super Bowl losers, and I hate to call them that because he got to the Super Bowl, uh, but Super Bowl losers have often had big, big down uh, seasons in year two after getting to the Super Bowl uh, as opposed to the winners. They talk about the Super Bowl hangover. The hangover actually goes to the losing team more often than not. I think that will be the case for the Bengals. Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, two of the ten best quarterbacks in the world will square off. And I think Dak, who should have won comeback player of the year last year, will get the better of him. They will go on the road and beat the New York Giants on Monday Night Football in the Meadowlands. Uh, then they'll come home and beat the Washington Commanders. Dak Prescott has owned Carson Wentz throughout his career. He is 4-2 against Wentz. Uh, I have no reason to believe that as good, as, as decent of a roster as Washington has, and they have good weapons and certainly we know what they have defensively, but I think given the fact that Wentz had what I dubbed the perfect roster in Indianapolis and couldn't even get to the playoffs, says a lot. Dak will outduel Wentz yet again. He's owned the guy. Three straight wins for the Cowboys, which will be followed by a loss at the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. Wouldn't shock me if this is a 20-point win for Los Angeles. I think this is a team that could possibly become the next NFL dynasty. I'm not going to make the mistake that the media did with Kansas City by dubbing them a dynasty, because they're not. They only got one championship. For me, you got to get at least three. But the go on the road to Los Angeles, fall to the Rams before going to Philadelphia. This is one of the games I was sort of iffy on. But for whatever reason, Dallas tends to play well uh, at the Philadelphia Eagles. It will be a Sunday night game. Philly, I listen, I wasn't that high on the Eagles about a month ago. But given what they did in the offseason and especially in the NFL draft, this team could beat Dallas in the division. They don't have the better quarterback, but they do have the roster, and they better roster, and they definitely have the better coach. But I think Dallas will go on the road to Philly and get this win, and that would put them at 4-2. and two. They will follow that up with a win at home against the Detroit Lions. Um, I mean, what, what are we going to do? Dan Campbell, um, you know, Mr. Mr. Bite Your Kneecaps, our, our, our friend, uh, head coach of the T Detroit Lions. I mean, come on, that's that's not that's that's not gonna happen. So, Dallas will win at uh, or against Detroit. And everybody's gonna get a kneecap in Dallas on that Sunday in Week Seven. And Dallas, you know how they do. You know how these Cowboys do, man. They always lose those games they really shouldn't lose. I'm not high at all on the Chicago Bears this season. A lot of people are. Love Justin Fields. Did not was not a huge uh, fan of the Matt Eberflus hire. Didn't think they made a ton of moves that really upgraded them. They lost Allen Robinson. They traded Khalil Mack. I'm not high on the Bears this year. They'll come into Dallas and win. Why? I I don't know. Because they're the Dallas Cowboys and they lose games that they really shouldn't. Look at last year against Denver at home. Against the Raiders at home. Uh, they'll 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 find a way. 
They'll go into the week nine bye with a sour taste in their mouth. And then they will play what will be arguably, arguably, the highest rated game of the NFL season. At Lambeau Field, at Aaron Rodgers, who is tended, we talk about Dak owning Wentz, Aaron Rodgers has tended to own the Dallas Cowboys throughout the course of his career. But the last time that Mr. Dak Prescott visited Lambeau Field, it was the afternoon of October the 16th of 2016. They visited Lambeau Field, and Dak Prescott absolutely balled out, as does Zeke Elliott back when he could ball out. At Lambeau Field, the Cowboys won by a final score of 30-16. to um, I do not see that. I don't see a blowout. But Dak, outside of one matchup in 2019, has outballed Aaron Rodgers in the three in two of the three matchups. You look at the playoff loss, and then you look at the week five loss in 2017. Look at the numbers. Dak Prescott outplayed Aaron Rodgers in both instances. The problem is Aaron Rodgers was the last guy to touch the football, and he did what he always does to the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's a close win at Green Bay. Cowboys win that one before a loss at Minnesota. This is a funny one because. Dallas has won back-to-back years at Minnesota, both without Dak Prescott. Beat the Vikings with Andy Dalton at starting quarterback, and then last year, the Sunday night game with Cooper Rush, the Cooper Rush game, he goes on the road and outballs Kirk Cousins. You know, Kirk Cousins tends to struggle on Sunday night games. Well, this is not a Sunday night game. It's not a primetime game. Dallas will go on the road and lose to a Vikings team that I believe is going to win the NFC North this season before coming home on Turkey Day, Thanksgiving Day, against the lowly New York Giants. Taking care of business, getting a pretty easy win, finally getting a win on Thanksgiving for the first time since 2018. They'll follow that up 10 days later with a loss against the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are kind of a scary team. I'm I'm thinking about possibly making them my sleeper team this year. Um, I'm considering it, uh, considering the upgrading quarterback with Matt Ryan, the fact that the roster really didn't change that much in the offseason. And I think, look, fair or unfair, and I do like him as a head coach, you know, I, I, I do think that Frank Reich is on the hot seat in a certain respect. So I, th- I think this Colts team is going to be no joke this year, and they're going to come on the road in Dallas and beat the Cowboys. Uh, Dallas will then follow it up with two straight wins against two not very good football teams, a home win against the Houston Texans, a road win at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like Jacksonville this year. I think they're going to double their wins, but they still got a, a long ways to go to, to be, even be in playoff contention even though I think Trevor Lawrence with the new addition of Doug Peterson, a head coach, will make strides in the right direction. The Cowboys will follow this up with two consecutive losses, a loss on Christmas Eve, just so they, the Cowboys always tend to lose around Christmas just to ruin you know, the, the fans' uh, uh, holiday season. So they'll lose on Christmas Eve at home against the Eagles. They will follow that up five days later at the Tennessee Titans with a loss. Uh, Derrick Henry, as long as he is healthy, will run wild in these guys. And, uh, and and take care of business. The last time the Titans and the Cowboys played, it was an ugly, ugly, ugly game in favor of Tennessee. And then the Cowboys will finish it off a must-win game on the road in Washington. This very well could be a game where the winner gets in the playoffs. And you know, if it's Dak versus Wentz, you'd be a fool to go with Carson Wentz. I'm going Dak Prescott. I'm going the Dallas Cowboys to win in Week 18 over the Washington Commanders and finish with a record of 10-7. and I've heard a lot of people talk about how this is, you know, th- this is one of, I actually think the Cowboys are tied with Washington for the easiest schedule in the NFL based off of winning percentage of teams that they played from, you know, last year's winning percentage of the teams that they'll play this year. I think the, the opponents that they're playing this season uh, had a winning percentage of about 46% of last year. So under 500, you know, lost more than they won. 
Uh, a lot of that has to do with Jacksonville and Houston, I think. But uh, you know that factors and, and the Giants as well. So and and the Lions. So there you go, ten and seven for the Cowboys. They should win twelve games. I think they'll go five and one the division. I I predicted last season. I correctly predicted last season. Not only would they win the NFC East, but they would sweep the NFC East with a record of six and zero. This year, I think Philadelphia has improved to the point where they'll 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 split with the Cowboys. But I think the Cowboys will go five and one in the division. And uh, I have not checked Philadelphia's schedule. I know it's outside of like two games against, I think, the Vikings and the Cardinals, uh, Philadelphia has a very favorable schedule uh, to start uh, next season. If they get off to a hot start, that's going to be hard for the Cowboys to come back from. But I do believe this is a playoff team, uh, simply because the roster, while it downgraded, and I haven't been high on this roster for a while now, you have two superstar playmakers. On the defensive side of the ball, you got the defensive rookie of the year, the unanimous defensive rookie of the year, Micah Parsons. And you've got my man. I'm wearing his hat right now, as I always do. Rain. Dakota Prescott, ten and seven record for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they will be a playoff team. I'm not willing to say like last year they'll be a division winner. I said last year they win the division because the division was was trash. I mean, come on, the Washington they were at the time the Washington football team and the Giants were a mess, and you know Philadelphia was no joke. But the two games the Cowboys played them, they absolutely mopped the floor with them. So, but I do have this this Cowboys team making the playoffs. I'll predict the Packers' record in just a second look at their schedule, but I'm going to discuss my team, the Golden State Warriors, who absolutely had it handed to them. I'm going to keep things PG. There's other words I could use, but in case there are any children, you know, in in front of the the TV or listening to the podcast or whatever way you're watching this show, and we appreciate you watching or listening to the show as always. The Golden State Warriors just got their behinds whooped. They got it absolutely handed to them. They got spanked, uh, smack, spank, whatever word you want to use. That's what what happened. We're down by as many as 55 points in the third quarter. Lost by 39 on the road. So I I won't go. I I already gave my John Morant take yesterday on why I think he's a a little more, not in personality, I'm not going to assassinate this man's character, uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of impact on a team, I think uh, John Morant is the next Kyrie Irving, where the team functions, if not fine, but almost better, when he's not there. Um, so I'll, I'll, you know, I've already got that takeout for yesterday. Hopefully I can make it into a, a, a full video to post on YouTube. Um, but game six is tonight at the Chase Center, the beautiful new Chase Center. Well, it's not that. Well, I guess it's pretty new. It's his third year. Uh, but game six is tonight. Golden State Warriors, Memphis Grizzlies. Warriors lead three games to two. And they are big favorites at home. They are eight-point favorites. Um, tonight, I expect... I don't expect a Warriors win tonight. I expect, I, I've wanted to use this for a while. I, I haven't seen any other fellow Warriors fans, fellow members of Dub Nation use this, so I'm going to trademark this. Tonight, we're going to see Dub Nation domination. That's what we're going to see. Warriors by 20 tonight. And here's why. First of all, they got they got woke up in game five. <laughs> they, 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 Memphis got their attention in game five. Do I do I think Golden State was like throwing the game as some have tried to accuse them of doing? Of course not. Again, Clay Thompson said the attention was to go in there and win and close out the series, of course. But the bottom line is they didn't bring the right level of intensity, focus. Uh, you know, they, they turned the ball over way too much. I think they had like 17 turnovers in the first half, which is 
That's bad for a game. For a half, that is absolutely atrocious. And turnovers have been a real bugaboo, probably the biggest bugaboo for the Warriors offensively in the Steve Kerr era. Which, by the way, Steve Kerr likely will not be there tonight. I, th- I think they've already ruled him out. You know, he's, he's still got COVID. We wish, you know, coach the best. Uh, Mike Brown, again, will be on the sidelines. And so, when I look at the fact that this Warriors team is undefeated at home in the postseason, 5-0, and they're winning, you know, I saw yesterday um, on Scott Van Pelt's show on SportsCenter that the Warriors' uh, point differential is plus 15 at home. So they don't win at home, they dominate you at home. And three of the five wins have been absolute beatdowns. The first two games against the Denver Nuggets in the first round, and then game three of the series against Memphis. I think we're going to see something. Maybe not like game three against Memphis where you scored 140 points and won by 30. I'm not expecting that. But I I think you could see something similar to what Denver uh, had to endure in games one and two where, yes, you're going to have a desperate Grizzlies team. But again, I'll reiterate, role players always play better at home. And Golden State's role players talking about Jonathan Kaminga, Damian Lee, Kevon Looney. You know, guys like that. Otto Porter, I'm not sure if he's going to be available, which which could be a, a pretty big loss. But... The role players for the Golden State Warriors are going to show up. Andrew Wiggins, it's crazy in this series. Every game that Andrew Wiggins has scored 17 points, exactly 17 points, not nothing more, nothing less, right at 17, Golden State has won in this series. If he hasn't scored 17, which obviously in the two losses he scored less, game five he only scored five points, they've lost. So I think Andrew Wiggins shows up on both ends of the floor, knocks down, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him three three-pointers, plays good defense, Steph Curry, we, we know what he gives you uh, on a nightly basis, certainly at home. Draymond is going to you know, fire up the home crowd. Maybe they'll play a little bit of whoop that trick at the Chase Center. Jordan Poole is going to give you more than three points. Jordan Poole, is a, he, he struggles a little bit on the road. I'm a little concerned about Jordan Poole on the road. At home, he feeds off the home crowd as much as any player in basketball. He's going to show up. And there might be one name that you, 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 you think I haven't mentioned intentionally. No, I was just saving it best for last. There's this man, his name is Clay Thompson. And you know what tonight is, right? It's game six. Game six, Clay. 2016 against Oklahoma City. 2018 against Houston. 2019 against Houston. 2019 against Toronto. I don't know what it is. I don't know what gets into this man. But game six. Goes into a whole different mode. Because either he's trying to avoid a game seven, like tonight, or he's trying to help his team, in some cases, lead his team to a game seven. Well, in this case, we don't want any part of a game seven on Monday night in Memphis, of course. Clay Thompson's going to show up tonight. I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. Clay Thompson drops 30 in game six tonight. You heard it here first. Everybody's down in Klay Thompson, but in the very limited minutes he got in game five, because there's no point in, in playing your stars high minutes. We're getting your, your behinds whooped like that. Klay Thompson shot an efficient seven for 12 from the field, knocked down a couple of threes, got his rhythm a little bit, right? It was, you know, it was cutting well, looked, looked to show a little bit more explosiveness than he had in the previous four games. Klay Thompson's going to be a 30 tonight. Steph's probably going to give you around, you know, it's his typical 25, 27 pool around, you know, 20, something, you know, something like that. Maybe even pool gives you 30 because, again, he's a different player at home. 
and Draymond gives you what he always gives you in the defensive end. He's going to take Jaron Jackson Jr. from the start. He's going to take him out the game in the fourth quarter, as he does has done for all the big big guys that he has faced, going back to Jokic, Boogie, you know, now in this round with Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams. Draymond's going to do his work on the defensive end of the floor. We know we know who, who he is and what he represents uh, on that end. Clay Thompson drops 30. Game six, Clay. Ain't nobody talked about it for whatever reason. I don't know what's going on right now. Y'all must forgot who this man was. Y'all must forgot who Mr. Clay Thompson was uh, in game sixes of closeout games. He's back! That's what the Memphis Grizzlies are feeling for game six, I promise you. Dubs by 20. And we'll be off to the Western Conference Finals, and I'll be a happy man on Monday's show. Last topic of the day. Back to schedule predicting. And again, if, if, any of, if any of you out there wants me to predict your team's schedule, feel free to, you know, if you want to hit me up on social media, uh, especially more preferably comment on, on this show uh, right here on YouTube or on, on Twitter, on, on, on Facebook. You know, hit me up. Your team, you want me to predict your team's schedule? I got you. But you got to let me know first, and I promise I'll do that uh, on Monday's show. But let's talk about the Green Bay Packers, a team that has had nothing but drama really for the last two years. If you go back to the 2020 draft, taking Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers wins MVP. And then you got Aaron Rodgers is holding out. He requests a trade, but then he comes back and then he's got the vaccine thing. And then he wins another MVP, but he flames out in the playoffs again at home. You know, it's, 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 been, it's been a lot of drama. And then this year they lose Devontae Adams, arguably the best receiver in football. But Aaron Rodgers gets the richest contract in NFL history in terms of, you know, per year, making about $50 million a year. And so this is a Packer team that I told y'all last December, they're going to be like, a, as, as, as the great Shannon Sharp says, uh, shout out to, to, to Uncle Shea, uh, he, he talks about the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs are like Duke and Kentucky freshmen. They're one and done. And, and Unc is right, is, is right on the money about that. But the Packers are a lot of the same. I said, this is not a championship-level team. They can't stop the run. It's Devontae Adams or bust. The running game comes and goes. And Lord knows I don't trust Matt LaFleur, and I don't trust Aaron Rodgers in the postseason. Aaron Rodgers, since that Super Bowl title, has a losing playoff record. And his playoff wins, outside of a couple, the competition wasn't exactly that great. So for the Green Bay Packers, in 2022, here we go. Their schedule. Let's put it up right now uh, for for all those Packer or for, for all those in the, in the in the streaming audience. Let's see, is this? It? There we go. All right. Here's the Packers schedule, 2022. They start off at Minnesota, which I believe they did in 2020. They start off at the Minnesota Vikings, come home for another divisional game against the Chicago Bears. They go to Tampa Bay. Then they have three straight home games against the Patriots, Giants, and Jets. And then they got three straight home, or I'm sorry, road games against the Commanders, Bills, and Lions. Two straight home games against the Cowboys and the Titans. Then two more straight road games against the Eagles and again against the Chicago Bears before a very late bye in Week 14. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, late buys tend to benefit uh, those teams that have them. They finish off their last four games. Three of their last four games of the season are against our uh, home games at Lambeau Field. Rams. Then you got Merry Christmas Green Bay at home. I'm sorry, on the road. They don't have to deal with the frozen tundra 
On Christmas, they get to go to sunny, beautiful Miami, Florida against the Dolphins. And then they finish with two divisional home games against the Minnesota Vikings and against the Detroit Lions. And so, for the Green Bay Packers, let's put up my prediction right now. Here you go. For the podcast audience who cannot see this, I will read it off for you. They're going to start with a road loss at Minnesota. I like what Minnesota did in the draft a lot, and in the offseason, they did give Kirk Cousins a lot of money, but, you know, I guess what choice they have at this point. But Dalvin Cook's back, one of the better running backs in football. Justin Jefferson is a top-five receiver. I don't care what anybody says. This guy is as good as it gets. Best receiver by far out of the 2020 draft. Um, Green Bay with their lack of weapons. Minnesota with their plethora of weapons. This is not a primetime game. It's a primetime game. I'm picking Green Bay. It is not. I believe it's a 1 o'clock or in Minnesota, a 12 central time kickoff, a noon central time kickoff. I will take the Vikings to win this game at home, and the Packers will start 0-1. They will bounce back against the team that Aaron Rodgers, as he told you last season, he owns the Chicago Bears. And by the numbers, Aaron Rodgers absolutely owns the Chicago Bears. They will win this game at home, the home opener at Lambeau Field, and go to 1-1 one one before a blowout loss at Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers, against the greatest quarterback who ever lived, Tom Brady. Then they're going to play Tom's old team, the New England Patriots, at home. And this might be the one game where I'm a Patriots fan. I'm sorry, where I'm a, a, a Packers fan. I want to see Aaron Rodgers, who I've had my many doubts about, but I've never denied this man's talent. I want him to show the difference between a franchise quarterback and a guy. And Mac Jones is a guy. And the Green Bay Packers will win this game. I will say close because both teams don't have exactly have a plethora of weapons. But Aaron Rodgers will outduel Matt Jones without a question. I'll say I'll give him a seven-point home win against the New England Patriots. So they're two and two now, and then they take on the New York Giants all the way across the pond in London. Shout out to my friends at the Cross the Pond Sports Network. They'll take on the Giants. They'll win this game easily. The Giants, even though I liked the coaching hire of Brian Dable, that organization, that team is an absolute train wreck. Uh, Daniel Jones is not that guy. Again, this will give you a second straight week where Aaron Rodgers shows you the difference between a franchise quarterback and a guy, which I'd even take Mac Jones over Daniel Jones. Uh, So the Packers will have a winning record for the first time in 2022 with their week five win over the Giants. They'll play the other New York team back at home at Lambeau Field, the New York Jets, uh, a team who had a great draft, certainly won the first round without a doubt. Uh, but I still have my numerous doubts about Zach Wilson. I question his intangibles. I question his consistency. I question his accuracy. And to be fair to Zach, uh, I'm not sure, and I was high on the hire, but I'm not sure about Robert Sala as, as, as a head coach, certainly with the Jets, where, of course, young quarterback streams go to die, as I always say. Packers will win that game easily at home and go to 4-2. and two. They'll go to 5-2 and two at Washington. Look, we're talking Aaron Rodgers and we're talking Carson Wentz. Aaron Rodgers has dominated Washington throughout his career. I have no reason to believe that that will not continue. Um, I think this is a close win because at the end of the day, the best receiver will be playing for the Washington Commanders in Terry McLaurin. Green Bay does not have Terry McLaurin. They have Alan Lazard. That being said, I think the running game gets it done for the Packers and they get a road win at Washington. And then Green Bay goes to Buffalo and gets absolutely pummeled. Uh, Buffalo is a team that I believe today is the Vegas favorite uh, to win the AFC, and for good reason. Um, I have not made my AFC-NFC predictions. I'll save that for September before the season starts. But this is a Buffalo team that is no bleeping joke. Josh Allen, I, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback 
improved so drastically year after year. He goes from a really poor rookie year to a solid second year to a phenomenal third year to, oh my God, this is a top four, five quarterback in the league in year four. So I have no reason to believe Josh Allen will not continue that steady improvement, and I think the Buffalo Bills will dominate the Packers in what will be a Sunday night game at Orchard Park, New York. In week eight, and this is the one that's going to shock a lot of people, kneecaps will be bitten in Detroit, Michigan when the Packers come to town. I don't know what it is, man. The Packers tend to struggle at Detroit. They, they destroy the Lions at home. Destroy them. But they tend to really struggle for whatever reason at Ford Field. I don't know if it's the dome atmosphere. I don't know if familiarity within the division. I, I don't know. Whatever it is, it has plagued the Packers big time. And I think they will lose this game at Detroit. And they will follow that up with a third consecutive loss to the Dallas Cowboys, as I mentioned, as Dak Prescott will once again outplay Aaron Rodgers, as he has a tendency to do. But the Packers will get a big bounce-back win at home against the Tennessee Titans. I thought I really thought about making this game a loss because Green Bay's run defense is putrid. Um, but I think the Packers, similar to how they did <laughs> excuse me, in their 2020 matchup at home against the Titans, what they did was they took Derrick Henry out of the game by building a big lead. And if you build the big lead, well, all of a sudden the Titans can't go to Derrick Henry. It's Ryan Tannehill time, and, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Rodgers, you know, you, you got some issues if you're the Titans there. So I'll give the Packers a home win against the Titans, but then they'll follow that up with another loss at the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the difference between Philadelphia and Tennessee in terms of them having a great, a great running game is that Philadelphia's quarterback, Jalen Hurts, his greatest strength is his legs. And so even if Green Bay is able to build, like, say, a 10 to nothing lead, and Jalen Hurts, who I've certainly questioned his ability uh, to hit big throws, at, 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 you know, to, to uh, make big throws at big points in the game, and, and even in, you know, when, when trailing especially, Jalen Hurts can, can get on the move, man. So what's Green Bay going to do to stop him? Green Bay's linebacking core is not good. The secondary is, is no joke, but that I don't think that'll be as big of a problem against the Philadelphia or for the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't. So I think the, the, the Eagles will win this game due to their great running game. And then the Packers will go to Chicago and dominate the Bears because once again Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. We know this. Then they go into a week 14 bye, finish out with their last four games. They will finish off at home with a loss to the defending champion Los Angeles Rams. Uh, simply put, the Rams have Cooper Cup. They have Allen Robinson. They have uh, that 2-2 that Atwell kid who I think is, is, is going to be a good player in this league. Uh, they've got, um, who's the other? Van Jefferson. Literally, the Rams have like the five best receivers in this game. So Matt Stafford, even in the cold weather, Matt Stafford's used to the cold weather. He played in the NFC North for the first 12 years of his career. He's used to this. He's used to playing at Lambeau Field. He's won at Lambeau Field before with the Lions. So coming in with there with the Rams, it will be a very different story than last year's game when they played at Lambeau Field. Rams will win this game, I think, fairly easily with their great running game, and Matt Stafford will throw a party uh, against his old buddy Aaron Rodgers. The Packers will celebrate a very Merry Christmas in Miami with the win over the Dolphins. You know I'm not high on Miami this year. Uh, I already played the Tua uh, to Tyree Kill throw yesterday. I'm not going to play it again. I don't want to embarrass the poor guy. Uh, I feel bad doing that. But uh, the Dolphins are not going to be anything this year uh, for the simple fact that they don't have great play whatsoever out of the quarterback position. So let's put that to bed. The Packers will win in Miami. They'll come back home. And if this were a Sunday night game, again, I would pick the Packers. I really would. They're losing to Minnesota at home. 
Because last year, or really throughout his career, Kirk Cousins has played phenomenal, not just against the Packers, but at Lambeau Field. Kirk Cousins' greatest success against the Packers, ironically, has come at Lambeau Field when you look at his numbers. I think he'll show up again. Uh, again, this is not a Sunday night game. If it gets flexed to a Sunday night game, we'll have to have a different conversation. Uh, but the Packers will lose this one to the Vikings, and I believe this one will clinch their loss in the division. They'll be 8-8. Eight and eight. They'll finish off with a nice little win at home against the Detroit Lions, and uh, and that will be that. A 9-8 and eight record for the Green Bay Packers in at the end of the day, what we know about this league, what we know about the National Football League, it is a quarterback's, and increasingly, you know, you see how they're getting paid these days, it is a quarterback's and wide receiver's league. Well, obviously, the Green Bay Packers have a big check at quarterback. But when you don't have the guys where you can get the ball to them, listen, Alan Lazard can play. He can, absolutely. He is, at best, a three. He separates well, but he's had an issue with drops. And he's going to be seeing a lot of double coverage this year because a lot of Alan Lazard's success is because the defense is focused on Devontae Adams. Defensive coordinators are losing sleeping night, sleep at night trying to figure out how they can possibly stop number 17 in green. Well, number 17 in green is now number 17 in black in Vegas. So he's gone. He's out the door now. What are you going to do? You can rely on your running game, which Green Bay's running game is good because they have a solid offensive line, and obviously we know about Aaron Jones um, and, and A.J. Dillon. But, I mean, what are we doing? Uh, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb, and uh, is that is that Tunyon kid still there at tight end? Mercedes Lewis, is he still there? I mean, this is as thin of a cupboard, you know, this is as vacant a cupboard as there is. I mean, it's like New England bad. Uh, Packers got a better receiving core than New England, but it ain't by much. It's bad. It's quarterbacks and wide receivers league. And a lot of these teams, again, I'll, I'll put up their schedule again. Um, a lot of these teams are going to play, have elite quarterbacks, or at least at least either an elite quarterback or elite wide receiver. Uh, the only teams on this list that, that they play that don't have an elite quarterback or receiver are the Bears, Patriots, Giants, Jets. I think Terry McLaurin's an elite receiver. I, I think that. Um, Detroit. Tennessee, now that A.J. Brown's gone. Philadelphia, but I had that as a loss because their running game. That's it. Because even my even though Miami does have an elite quarterback, Tyreek Hill, we know, is phenomenal. So that's what that is. 9-8 record. That's where I got him. Missing the playoffs. This is not, this is the, I mean, just do, do you look at the Packers? Just look up and down the roster. Does it look like a playoff team? If it looks like a playoff team, more, excuse me, more times than not, it is. If it doesn't, then you, know, you got problems. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by, as always, uh, on Carving Up Live. Be sure to catch the show on Monday, as always, at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitter. As always, be sure to check out the Carving Up Podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Anchor, as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. We appreciate our podcast listeners who... Apparently, you guys have been enjoying the Carving It Up U.S. Presence Edition, Episode 5. We've got 10 episodes, a 10-part series, every Saturday at 7 a.m. Eastern, 4 a.m. Pacific Time, on our normal podcasting platforms. Episode 5 of the Carving It Up U.S. Presence Edition, myself, my co-host, Isaac Lawson, will be discussing uh, the first president and the only president to uh, serve two non-consecutive terms, Grover Cleveland, as well as the last bearded president, much respect, Benjamin Harrison. 
as well as William McKinley, one of my all-time favorites, Teddy Roosevelt, and William Howard Taft, who actually would later become a Supreme Court justice after being president. So some fun facts there. So be sure to check out episode five of the Carving It Up U.S. President's Edition, available tomorrow morning on all past podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube. So be sure to check it out. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Continue to stay safe out there. Uh, man, it's crazy how fast time flies, man. It's crazy. But have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Graduating, baby. Let's go. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day.